for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. We are live and amplified. So let's get ready to podcast. Fire it up. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. I just had to clean up an ice spill in the kitchen. I went to go refill my glass and ice came falling out of the freezer. And I'm like, really? I just, <laughs> like this two second trip is going to turn into a whole thing because my ice chest is overflowing. So, <laughs> but anyways, how, um, first off, I want to thank you for joining us. I'm really excited to sit down and chat with you a little bit. Um, for everybody that's just getting to meet you for the first time, can you kind of um, tell, tell them who you are, uh, what got you started in music, and kind of like just real basic origin story type stuff? Absolutely, yes. Uh, my name is Camille Rose. I'm a 19-year-old singer-songwriter originally from San Francisco, um, and I now go to college in L.A. County, I'm, uh, double majoring in digital music production with an emphasis in vocal arts and business with an emphasis in music. Um, and I have been singing since before I could talk, according to my parents. I'd be babbling around the house, not even really able to form words yet, just singing. But um, I've been singing professionally since I was 10 I'm in shows with Nardo Michael Walden in my hometown in San Francisco. Um, and I, that's like the basis of mm. my foundation has been mm. with Narda doing his shows and growing up performing with like John Warwick and Ronnie Spector yeah. and Carlos Santana as a small child being like, oh my God, what, okay, it's time to go on stage with these people. Um, and, you know, growing up thinking, okay, I'm going to be one of those artists one day where mm. I'll have a legacy and I'll be able to spread knowledge to kids like I was in when I was younger. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us. First off, um, you, so you're ba you were born in San Francisco, based in LA now, um, and you just released a single cruise. How how long has that officially been out? Um, it has been out for two days. It came two out days. on the nineteenth. Awesome. Uh, so let's jump into that, and we'll talk about that for a little bit. Um, how long have you been working on that song? So that song I wrote actually back in April, okay. um, it started off as I just had a verse written and a pre-chorus and a chorus. And I mm. was just kind of messing around on YouTube, looking at different tracks. Cause sometimes if I have lyrics, but a melody doesn't come to me, then I'll just kind of, you know, fiddle around with some melodies that I can kind of pick up um, by hearing a track. And I quickly recorded myself singing over this uh, jazzy pop, like dark ballad. Mm -hmm. um, and I just threw it up on my Instagram story. And one of my friends that goes to Cal Arts reached out to me and said, Hey, I have this friend who's directing a short film out of, out of the California Institute of the Arts that would totally love this. Nice. Um, do you mind if I send it along? I was like, Oh, of course go for it. And so she sent it along and I got a text and that director was like, Oh my God, I love this song. Can I have it? And I was like, yeah. Um, let me finish it first and then I'll give it back to you. So I had to finish writing the song and um, 
my friend Christopher Kenji, who's also an amazing artist and a producer that has helped me in multiple projects, um, added in some guitar ad libs and um, helped me mix it and master it. Um, but vocally, that was recorded in one take in my dorm room. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's and that that's what is it? Did you end up re-recording it, or was it? Is it still just the take from your dorm room? It's still that one take from my dorm room and and all like the backgrounds I would sit because at that point um, back in April, I had hadn't owned my own equipment for very long. And I was used to just going in a studio and like, okay, punch me in. And now I'm like, okay, I'm doing this myself. And I didn't trust myself to make it sound fully smooth. So I just Mm -hmm. sat through the entire thing when I was doing background vocals and then hopped in when it was that time. So if you if you listen to the song, you can hear me breathing because I wasn't giving myself a break to breathe. I was just doing it. Just going. That's for you. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And uh, so with this single, are you building, are you just kind of doing singles right now? Or are you building to like a full EP or a full length or an EP? Yeah. So I'm currently um, working to release an EP. Mm -hmm. Um, Cruise is actually not going to be on it. It's going to stay as its own uh, single because Mm -hmm. I really think that this like jazzy side of my training and my foundation is um, something that I like to really, I want to keep it separate from this project Mm -hmm. um, because my EP I've been writing songs for, for the past year and a half. um, Mm -hmm. And it's a little bit different. Um, doing cruise was much more spontaneous, whereas mm. the songs are my EP. I've been um, working for a while <laughs> into a cohesive story. Yeah, for sure. That and so with that, are you planning on uh, presenting it as like a vinyl or in any hard copy formats like CDs or vinyl, so that it can kind of play to telling the complete story? Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely looking into kind of crafting um the order of how i want everything to go and seeing you know i've been listening to a lot of new albums recently especially like the new adele album where she has a lot of narration and she Mm -hmm. has kind of um like audio clips in between that are Mm -hmm. telling that full story um or listening to like the spotify only billy eilish version of happier than ever and hearing like her narration and i'm kind of considering like if i were to do a vinyl print or uh, or a cd would that be something that i want to do so mm-hmm. i'm really just kind of trying to wrap my head around um doing a full project um, yeah. because i haven't done something like that before and i'm really excited yeah for sure and like obviously the big concern with doing like vinyl or something is it's a huge financial commitment. Like it's, you know, as much as financial is starting to come back, it's still really hard to print on a small scale because like, unless you just have the demand for it, you know? Um, but you had mentioned that uh cruise is going to be remain a standalone single. Why did you, uh, or what kind of inspired I guess, like, what kind of inspired Cruise to, since you said it was like a, it's different from every, or showing a different side of your uh, talent range. Why did you decide to kind of explore that musically? Yeah. So the way in which um, I wrote Cruise, it tells a story within its entire song. Mm -hmm. Um, And some of my other songs like Reputation and Forget My Name, they fit into a storyline. And Mm -hmm. it's more of a cohesive, um, like the EP that I'm going to release is going to tell an entire story that goes 
spans across two years of yeah. my life. Um, and Cruise was more of a story about three months of my life and one specific person, one specific instance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really wanted to explore that kind of darker, jazzier ballad, dramatic side, Mm -hmm. because that specific situation left me really vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Um, And I am not used to writing from a vulnerable place. I'm Mm -hmm. more used to writing from a screw you. I'm going to write a song about you. And I don't care what you say type of place. And this was completely different. Um, Mm -hmm. So I felt like I really wanted the music um, behind the lyrics to really encapsulate that vulnerability completely in totality. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, did you find it to be therapeutic to approach music and just make yourself vulnerable or did you find it harder for yourself to make yourself so open and vulnerable? A little bit of both. Um, I definitely have been writing music from a vulnerable place mm-hmm. for ever since I've mm-hmm. since I started writing when I was like 10 mm-hmm. um but it was never ever music I shared with anyone not even like my vocal coach or my parents or my friends it was always just something that I would keep to myself because uh, I'm a very inward emotional mm-hmm. person I don't yeah. like to put it out into the universe um and I find it easier to be vulnerable like when you're doing covers right when it's someone someone else's words and not not yours. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm really realizing the value in being vulnerable and authentic in what you're saying. Um, so it was difficult to get to that place of being like, okay, we're going to write a vulnerable song and let that go. But then once I settled into that kind of mindset, Mm -hmm. it felt really natural and therapeutic exactly as I would describe it. Awesome. Awesome. And, um, so with the, uh, with the EP that you're working on, how far into it are you? Are you, is everything recorded or like how far into it are you? Um, I'm, I'm not, everything is fully recorded. Everything is fully written, um, but I am making some adjustments on some songs I haven't released yet. Mm. Um, Just as I am releasing singles and realizing what I do and don't like production from like a production standpoint. Mm -hmm. And I meet more people in LA um, and realizing that I can change tracks and I can just take my vocals and stick it on something else. Or mm-hmm. I want to completely and totally scrap and re-record. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really trying to take my time because even the first single that I um, released, that's going to be on this EP, forget my name. It started off as something completely different mm-hmm. than what it ended up being. And so that's why I'm really trying to take my time so that I'm fully confident and proud of my like authentic uh, art that I'm I'm putting out there. Yeah, for sure. That, that, that I think that's very important. Uh, so to kind of ask the next question, um, when you were you when you started writing for this EP, were you specifically writing for an EP in mind, or were you just writing singles? And then it was like, oh hey, here's a couple of songs that go together. I've been wanting to put an EP together let's see what this starts to look like. And then as you start formulating the EP, that's when things start to take shape. It was more like I was just like word vomit writing, Mm -hmm. like writing, writing. It was right in the beginning of COVID. Mm -hmm. I didn't have anywhere to be. I didn't know what to do with myself. I was dying without live performance. And I was really forced to look at my own artistry and look at my own 
work and say, okay, are you writing enough? And I decided, no, I have so much more I want to say. And I feel much more comfortable because the two years leading up to COVID was when I really started getting comfortable with my songwriting. And so then being in isolation really forced me to keep going. And as I was building out song after song after song, they were coming so naturally. It was actually a lyric that had popped in um, that I I had written in one of the songs that was like, you make writing too easy. It's like you want a whole EP all to yourself. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, I have written at least five songs about this story. Mm-hmm. I actually could make an EP about yeah. this person and this situation. Yeah. And so that was kind of what I decided. I didn't go through it thinking, oh yeah, I'm writing for an EP. It was just writing, writing. And now mm-hmm. I'm formulating for an EP. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And, um, as far as well, you brought up the like live performance aspect of things are so have the, any of these songs prior, well, no, you said you started writing for the, or started working on this, like during the pandemic. So you wouldn't have really been able to get out to play any of them. Yeah, no, um, I've only been able to, so I shot a music video for, um, forget my name Mm -hmm. in, um, in the San Francisco Bay area with a friend of mine that has a boutique. We did a collaboration. I was like, Hey, can I use your store? And she's like, yeah, if you wear my clothes. And I was like, great, (laughs) free wardrobe, free, free boutique to shoot in. Let's do it. And so, um, the mall, the whole mall heard me sing it like 17 times. Um, but I, the only song I've actually been of, of mine that I've been able to perform live was cruise, um, Mm. before it was released, um, back in August. Okay. Uh, I, yeah. And that was just like a random like weekend. Someone was like, Hey, we need an extra performer to come into this restaurant and sing. I was like, all right, I'm on my right, way. I'm there. Nice. <laughs> yeah. And I did cruise, but, um, things are, you know, opening back up and I'm starting to get bookings and trying to look for them throughout LA. It's, mm-hmm. it's difficult. It's slim pickings for sure. Shirt, mm-hmm. um, and being in a new area, it's a lot harder to find those open mics. Like, you know, when you're in your, when you're yeah. in your element, when I'm in SF, I know where all of the open mics are and I know when, what day of the week they are mm-hmm. with the best time to go. Yep. And then in LA, I'm like, um, I don't know what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> so well, it's all about getting out there. Yeah, for sure. And like right now, and like, I mean, in LA in general, I feel like it's just harder for younger musicians to start finding their footing because you know it's like um you know like the pay to play thing and then you got like weird uh work like there i had some uh musicians that we had worked with early on during live and amplified they want they tried to go out to la but they were like 17 years old and -hmm. there was no place in la that would let them perform because they were so young and it's like for a city that kind of thrives on the entertainment business and the music business, it's really hard to get work there unless you're established. You happen to find an open mic. And I, during the pandemic or during, during the tail end of this pandemic, I don't really know how much open mics would be happening, but then again, maybe they are looking for the, uh, 
free entertainment to try and draw in crowds and stuff. Yeah. Uh, definitely. I, I've been trying to look for open mics and I live in, like I live East of East LA. Like yeah. I'm very inland. I'm like yeah. 30 minutes from downtown. Yeah. And if I want to do anything, I know I have to go into the city. I have yeah. to go into LA. And what I have discovered is that, um, LA is ageist when it comes to music and entertainment, just to be totally honest with you. And we, it's interesting because you watch the voice and there Mm -hmm. are kids that are 13 and 14, or, you know, you, you watch the Grammys and there are kids that are my age and younger Mm -hmm. that are winning. And it's amazing to see, but so hard to attain because if you're young, you, you just, there's no reputability. There's no kind Mm. of like, why should I believe you? And I've also discovered it's hard to get even like book a gig at an outdoor mall, unless Mm. you have an agency repping for you, Mm -hmm. Um, which has, I've discovered is now the next step that I need to take is I need to find someone to represent me. Otherwise no one's going to really care about, about who I am or where I'm from, because it's not, it's not a small place like San Francisco where you can just send an email and if they like you, they hire you. It's like, yeah. they won't even read your email is what I'm just going to Yeah. And, and that, that's the unfortunate part is and I talked to somebody from LA. I don't remember if it was today or yesterday, but LA still has this very gatekeeper mentality where like the old guard just doesn't want to give up their spot yet. And it's like, come on guys. This is why why you have to get, yeah. So, but I will say it's it's a great exercise in, in drive. And, Mm -hmm. um, I won't, I can't say that I haven't worked for anything. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's definitely something that, um, I'm learning from for sure. It's as frustrating as it can be at times because I'm just dying to get back on stage and it's proving to be difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, that just makes it all the more rewarding when it happens. Mm. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So just to kind of quickly um, point to towards the uh, main reason why we're doing all all this, uh, this uh, fundraiser is to raise awareness and funding for pancreatic cancer research. And so I just wanted to kind of open up the floor to ask you, have you had any personal experiences or family members with pancreatic cancer or just cancer in general? Um, yes, actually. So not pancreatic cancer, but my family does have a history of cancer. My, um, mother's mother had breast cancer and my vocal coach since I was nine also had breast cancer. Um, and in my family, it's kind of expected that, um, you'll get it eventually, which is, sounds like a really negative thing, but my grandmother is one of five mm-hmm. and all five are women and all five have had different types of cancers. Oh wow! Um, and the matriarch, my great grandmother, she has had four different types of cancers. She has had cancer for, I think longer than I have been alive, which is coming up on 20 years. Wow. Um, she has three quarters of a lung left, but she is still driving to the casino and she is still getting in there and gambling and mm-hmm. she is still telling me to eat more and Mm. sending my brother candy and she's very much alive Um, it sounds like my grandma (laughs) boy oh boy that that's so i i always thought that it was just my grandma but it's she will not clear the tape like whenever we go there to eat she wants to go to the casino 
like whenever we go to visit her, she wants to go to the casino and she will not clear the table until you eat every ounce of food that she laid out. And it's like, Grabby, you make food for like a small army. There's no way yeah. the three of us are going to eat all this. So yeah. I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to just throw it out then. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, and also my, on my dad's side, my grandmother, who was like my second mom, mm-hmm. she had a brain tumor oh, wow. um, when I was really young that ended up being benign and they removed it. And then I turned about, I think I was 12 or 13 and she got another um, brain tumor that was cancerous and she passed away when I was 15 um, ultimately because they couldn't fully remove the tumor. And then she got ovarian cancer and she wasn't strong enough to survive chemo or even try chemo. Um, So it's really coming from all sides on my family. We definitely all have experience with it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I absolutely saw within her, even um, in her like final days, the spunk and the fire that she had within her. Um, And I don't know if it's just being a woman and there's something about that feminine energy that's Mm -hmm. like all of my grandmothers, it just fuels their fire to know that there's something else that they're that they're fighting for Mm -hmm. and that's their family. Um, And I think that that familial support has really been what's kept everyone so bonded and Mm -hmm. most of the um, cancer survivors alive in my family. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing that story. First of all, it's, you know, we're we're here to raise awareness for specifically pancreatic cancer, because that that's what's the closest to me personally. And, you know, it's the most understudied and still unknown, but just hoping like if we could work on one cancer, maybe it'll affect all the cancer, like are all the different types of cancers. And so that's kind of um, why we're here because my mother was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer in March and she passed away in July and didn't really know anything until about three days before she was diagnosed that something was wrong. Um, so, and unfortunately by the time she got diagnosed, it was already too late. So that, that's just kind of the reason that we're here is to try and help motivate people to a continue to go see a doctor. And just like, if you're not feeling right, say something, you know, make sure that your doctors know what's going on because only, you know, your body. Um, and hopefully we can start uh, turning this, uh, survivability rate up because it's only at 10% right now for pancreatic cancer, but you know, uh, so, uh, they are obviously, they're obviously they're working on new treatments and, uh, detections and all that fun stuff. And through the pain camp foundation, which is why we're supporting them because they've got a lot of really cool clinical trials and therapies that they're working on. Um, so if anybody is interested in donating, or supporting uh the donation links are below or you can share our videos and all that fun stuff anything you can do to help us that'd be great for anybody out there listening so yes and i also um just want to bring up and say that um technology um when it comes to any type of pancreatic illness is wildly underfunded and wildly underdeveloped um Mm -hmm. i know i've emailed you and told you this i'm a type 1 diabetic which Mm -hmm. is essentially pancreatic failure my pancreas just straight up does not work and the amount of people that i meet that are type 1 diabetic or have Mm -hmm. other types of um, pancreatic issues Mm -hmm. 
we live our lives in a way that is not humane. Yeah. And um, understanding that you have a specific type of cancer that should have been researched for years upon years and then not even having a handful of months to even to live following, it just really goes to show that the study of the pancreas needs some more support because Mm -hmm. it's, it's exhausting watching how many people will will die from not having access to insulin or affordable insulin, mm-hmm. which can cost up to $400 in the U S by yep. the way, but it's like $8 in other countries. Yeah. Um, and all of the needles and the tubing and, you know, even pregnancy, gestational mm-hmm. diabetes is nine months of hell. Mm-hmm. It's, it's definitely, it's a, it's a cause that I absolutely commend you for standing up for mm-hmm. and supporting and something that I I take to heart as well. And I can relate to with that um, community of pancreatically challenged people. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I will say um, this wasn't by design, but we had a musician on yesterday who happened to be a scientist during in, in during his nine to five. And he doesn't specifically work in genetics and in that field. But I think I think if I remember correctly, he works more in the brain and neurology and stuff. But he was telling me like in the, in some of the labs that he's been in some of the stuff that they're doing for pancreatic research, like for cancer and pancreatic research is very, very, uh, it looks very promising, I guess is the best way to describe it. So as long as they can keep funded and keep the research going, you know, I, I, I have a lot of hope that we're going to get somewhere soon. Absolutely. So, but, you know, it, it's, you know, that it, this, this fundraiser started off, I thought it was going to be like a one-time thing, like, hey, we'll try and help fund a little bit. But as more musicians started signing up and as we've kind of gone through the last three days and I've realized oh, wait, this affects a lot more lot more people than we thought. We need to continually keep doing this. We need to figure out a way to do it yearly or, you know, something to that nature, so. Absolutely. But I appreciate you sharing your story. And uh, once again, if anybody wants to donate in the uh, description or in the, uh, in the uh, comment threads, the, uh, it's all posted right there. So feel free to share, donate, whatever you're able to do. So, um, but before we kind of wrap this up, one thing we've been doing with everybody that comes on the stream, just to kind of end it on a little bit of a lighter side of things is I have a random question generator. And so if you're ready, I have your question right here. Okay. I think I'm ready. All right. What do you value more? Spontaneity or stability? Hmm. I would say that I value spontaneity more Hmm. um, because I think that human nature is not fully comfortable in stability. I think that that is not the most happy or healthy breeding ground specifically for creatively mind people mm-hmm. um especially for musicians if i had a stability in my life i wouldn't be writing songs for my ep at two in the morning when i should be sleeping preparing for class the next day <laughs> absolutely absolutely 100 agreed um 
And so uh, if anybody wants to check out your new music or anything you got going on, shows, all that fun stuff, uh, where's the uh, best place for them to do that? So all of my music is available on all major streaming platforms, um, Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, YouTube Music, whichever is your favorite um, medium of streaming. Um, but then also all of my content for like music videos um, is mainly on YouTube, but all of my, the bulk of my content, including like personal life um, and introduction to new things that you might not be able to find on Spotify is on my Instagram at the dot Camille Rose. Um, that's where I post all of my song ideas. And it's, it's interesting because you get to see kind of the birth of my songs from the minute I read them to the second that they're ready for publishing. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, once again, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. And hopefully in the future, we'll get to sit down and do a full length interview, do a deep dive in on your music and all the fun stuff you got going on. So um, yes, I'm, I'm looking forward to that in February. Yes, that's right. February. Um, and uh, once again, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we will be right back with Kelsey Rose next. <laughs>